Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. And welcome to a very special 195th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me at twi- on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. And tonight we have a very special guest. And no, it's not Evan Hill um, at Evan Hill HB back from a, a, a long respite. It is Stacy Rost. And uh, you might see her on Twitter as Stacy Joe Rost. But she's dropped the Joe. She just she's 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 gotten very efficient with with her name, and uh, we wanted to celebrate that with her as she's a a host on Jake and Stacy. It really should be Stacy and Jake, but we will talk about that as well Working on Seven Ten ESPN every morning. Um, and they've got a podcast as well. Uh, I am a avid listener. It is my favorite sports radio show out there, and that's not just because Stacy's on the show. You've seen me tweet about it as well. Um, great, great content, and uh, uh, really, really excited to have Stacy back on the show. This is actually her second time on Real Hot Talk. So Hold Stacey- up, when did that Twitter handle change happen, though? No, the, okay. So here's the thing: the um, the Twitter name is at Stacy Ross. Okay, because I'm holding out hope that I'm verified. I'm, it's like my years long effort to do it, and it hasn't happened yet. And now it's become a joke between me and Curtis. Um, where we just make fun of Jake for being verified and there's a lot of inner office wars. Uh, but so the handle is at Stacy Rost and then the name is Stacy Joe Rost. I can't bring it to myself to drop the Joe on Twitter. 
uh, it's a family name. And so, uh, but yeah, it's, I've, I've started just, uh, there's like five people that call me Stacy Joe, which is like G Scott, my mom, <laughs> Brock Hubert. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a family name. Still I, I honestly thought about this today. I was like, oh, Stacy's going to be on. And I want it like, I try to honor people's name as they want it to be. And I'm like, I just don't think I could hold this, the Joe the whole time. I think I would always go That's back fair. to Stacy. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, most people don't call me like Stacy Joe in speaking, but they'll, uh, you know, like you'll throw it out the first time. Like, oh, hello, Stacy Joe. That's, nice. nice. Well, that. we know that now. And you mentioned G Scott. Uh, and Stacey's not only on 710 ESPN, she also does Seahawks pregame. Is that new this year or has that uh, been for a while? So they've been doing that for a while. This is my second year, but obviously there was, it wasn't during 2020 with COVID. Um, and so I wasn't, uh, G was doing some virtual stuff, but I wasn't participating that year just because we didn't have it in person. So uh, 2019 was my very first year doing it. Uh, 2021 uh, this year was my second and it was our first time being on the big stage so if anyone goes to the games you go to touchdown city it's the event center and they have like the 710 pregame show and then g and i are on the big stage and we give stuff away and it's we have interviews with um like a former seahawks players usually and it's really awesome uh so g's been doing it for a while but uh what i love about it is every year the ideas get bigger and bigger and so i'm really really excited for for next year that's awesome. I, I have to say, as someone who's listed the podcast and the show, and then I'm at the games, I'm at all the games, I, the energy difference between G. Scott and Jake, that just shows <laughs> your, like, you know, your range as a co-host. <laughs> it's a very different energy for those two guys. They're very, very different. Jake is very chill. Although, here's the thing. I think people... Um, I would say Jake is uh, usually between a, a three and a four, 90% of the time. And then the only other volume he has is 10. And you like so rarely see that, but it comes out if he's really angry or if him and Curtis are really excited about something. And I'm telling you guys, there are so many times in the sports pit, these two will be yelling and screaming at each other or they'll get, they'll start laughing about something like, um, it's just like he's been on the floor laughing before and I always try to like bring that Jake out a little more during the show but it's a it's a it's a constant effort of mine well uh Stacey I have to say I, I don't you know I know of you from the show I know of you from Twitter that kind of stuff but I don't know you that well and and can you tell us like where where are you from like are you a, yeah. are you a local are you like you know where'd you grow up uh, I grew up in SeaTac, Washington, so I don't know who, I'm guessing a lot of people either that listen to your guys' podcast or you guys like local, right? I'm assuming. No? It's all over the place. Like, okay. Well, all over the world, I mean, as a matter of fact. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, I'm from SeaTac, Washington, went to Taiyi High School for anyone that is local. Um, and, uh, and yeah, went to UW. I mean, a pretty like typical, like a local trajectory, but um uh, yeah, it was really exciting. I was the first person in my family to go to college. And so I had a lot of anxiety when I went there because I already had social anxiety and I was going like a, you know, little pond to a big ocean kind of thing. Like I'd been around the same people my whole life. And suddenly I'm one of like three people I know at this university and it's really scary. Uh, and so I threw myself into football. I don't know why it was like a distraction. It's on. I was there, uh, went during Jake Locker's tenure there. And, nice. uh, and the one Ronnie Fouch here, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, what a year. And, uh, and so, yeah, I got really, really into football, um, just because of the timing of that's when school started and I just wanted something to distract myself. And so I would, uh, just read all about it. Bob Pendota at the time was covering the Huskies. And so I was reading a lot of his coverage, which is so funny that Bob now who's someone I consider a friend was this weird part of my life when I was in college and he didn't know me at all. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to go into, uh, to law and, uh, decided against it and then randomly went to work like random jobs. Like, I don't know, for, I don't know. I, I don't mean to get preachy, but if anyone's ever been like, wow, I feel like I took a step back. I've been there a million times, like out of college. I went to live in my parents' basement, literally in my mom's basement. <laughs> I was working in the mall, uh, and then just randomly applied to work at CBS radio. Uh, which was then uh, connected to 1090 uh, and was was working there, switched over to Bonneville as a reporter and in digital and then gradually went on air. So what did wow. you actually graduate with degree wise? I'm so glad you asked. Um, I was a double major. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, double majors in- sound super impressive. I also am a double major, but all that means is that you changed your mind partway through and didn't want to give up the other. You know, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it means that you changed your mind, but then also took some summer classes to try to make sure <laughs> that you graduated on time. <laughs> I, I majored in uh, English, which like literally like one year into my English major, I was like, wow, I hate this. I'm like really bad at this, but I kept yeah. doing it because at that point I'd gone too far. Um, and then I uh, picked up Yes. In my sophomore year, I was like, this major is way more fun. And it was Law Societies and Justice, which is this mm-hmm. really cool intermingling of like um, political science meets sociology meets like, uh, I don't even know, like history a little bit to where by my senior year, all we were doing is just reading constitutional law cases. And then I had an entire class on uh, on Guantanamo Bay. It was I mean, I was like fascinated by this stuff and I wanted to go into human rights law. And then I uh I didn't. <laughs> so this is so, I'm so glad I learned this about you because I went to UW as well, a few years after you, oh, probably you. quite oh, a wow. few years after <laughs> um, Congratulations on graduating, Evan. by the way. We're really proud of you. That was really such cool. a prick. Go on. Only a decade or two later. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I actually went to school for 70s. law and econ as well and decided not to go to law school after graduating. Um, I'd be curious to know, like what went through your mind in terms of why you made that career decision change, because that's a pretty big deal. It is. I think what it was, is it was always like a fun romanticized idea where I absolutely loved, like if there was a job where all I could do was sit and write about some random Supreme court case, I would do that job. I loved doing it. I was obsessed with it. Like I got so into it and, uh, And then on the flip side with human rights law, like it was, it was almost like I would rather, I just wanted to go to school and take the classes, but I couldn't fathom a path where I could actually practice it. And in part, because I didn't necessarily have those examples. Like I didn't know what that path looked like. Law school felt really far away and difficult. And I already felt behind the eight ball with like, what tests do I need to take for this? So um, it just, I didn't know what road to take. And so the the only step I made towards it was interning for a, a lawyer who did family law. Uh, and it was interesting, but, um, it, it's almost like life got in the way where our, our lease was up when I was in college. So I had to move back home and, uh, and just while trying to get money, you just, you're going to random job after random job. Like I literally had no time to even explore that path. And then before I knew it, I was working with CBS radio and it was like, okay, I guess that path is 
is done. Even though at the time I was like 24, like it could have happened. But. It's just so funny how like career paths can change so quickly because yeah. like I said, I studied line econ. I was actually working in uh, King County politics in college at the time. And I wanted to sort of take that into the political realm. And then once I finished at UW, I saw what a law degree cost in terms of <laughs> tuition <laughs> rates. And yeah. I'm like, hold up a second. And I saw what they were paying like in IT and tech in Seattle. And I was like, why the fuck am I going to law school? Like I, I'm passionate about it, but not so passionate about it that I'm going to take out like $300,000 of student loan debt. Well, so, I had similarly, like I was going to be a sports journalist. And then I saw that at the time, they were making like $15,000 a year to yeah. be a writer. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, for me- job, I- you get called at any time for cover a story. I'm like, Hey, I love sports, but no, I don't think so. See, um, I'm still on sports looking at the other side. Like, I don't know, being a lawyer would have been pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting. I I have to say that one of the other things that that I have had some visibility um, from your social media presence is, is your food takes. Um, and right. I, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but uh, Derek from our podcast, um, <laughs> is still hurting like <laughs> years later uh there was a debate about enchiladas he is one so of the best upset. things i have seen I'm anybody do on twitter one of the best things we were debating enchiladas and yeah and derek was anti-enchilada and stacy outright blocked him i that was <laughs> one of the best problem. things i've ever seen happen i just don't know how you can i don't know why say the enchiladas are bad like the privilege of not expecting there would be consequence for that is wild to me. So of course I had to block him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In fact, I'm going to leave him blocked. Like I've now decided, like we have enemies of the show where um, uh, Jake, mostly it's Troy Aikman. Right now, Troy Aikman is really the only real enemy of the show. Um, He doesn't know it, but that's kind of what makes him the enemy of the show. And I'm trying desperately to get him on. Um, And and now the other one is Derek. I think that's, I think that's, justified to be totally Thank honest you. but Thank i you. did have some other food questions and i don't know if sure. Evan might as well so first one is is pie or cake um pie how do you feel about that evan i'm in strong agreement i think cake is actually Thank one you. of the most overrated desserts out That's there exactly right like 98 percent of cake is way too sugary honestly not very good the average pie is on average better than the average cake Go to go to pie uh, of choice. Uh, not fruit pies. Definitely so not any pumpkin other pie. pie. Okay, uh, pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie is so bad. It's so bad. Pumpkin, pecan, uh, key pecan. lime, coconut cream. Uh, like you know what I mean, like this, um, the extra sweet kind of creamy, desserty ones. Okay. I don't know. I think the OG blueberry pie is so good. I mean, I'll eat it. I won't ask for it, but if it's put in front of me, I'm going to eat the entire thing. So. What's the most overrated pie, Stacey? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, apple pie. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, pandemic. Uh, fun topic. Pro or con. Always, that's a shift always, of topics. Always a, like, a spirit lifter. <laughs> We're going to combine pandemic and food take. Uh, is there a food or a restaurant you have discovered through the pandemic uh, okay. that you didn't didn't know before. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So there's both. Um, 
There's a delicious uh, sushi place that's in Wallingford uh, named Mehari that like took over some random restaurant. So you wouldn't think it's a sushi restaurant. It looks like a diner from the outside. So good. But the random food, this is going to be, this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous. I feel like I rediscovered Oreos and in doing so rediscovered myself. So I would never eat Oreos ever. But when the pandemic first started and it was like lockdown, lockdown, where it was like, hey, you better stock up with all of these dried goods. I was like, I'm going to stock up with desserts and treats and snacks because everyone's depressed. We're all sad. And you know what? I haven't had an Oreo since I was like 12. I'm, I'm on the Oreo subreddit. I, like, I, I just got two new flavors that dropped today, chocolate cake and, and toffee. And like, I, I'm telling you, I am obsessed. Any new Oreo flavor that comes out, I'm all over it. Uh, we, we are a household obsessed with it. So I have a question on this. Sure. Okay. Have you ever dipped? And I don't want you to judge me before you try it. Have you in ever? Marinara sauce. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever dipped an Oreo in orange juice? Jesus Christ, Evan. No, God. No. I want you to try no. it and I want you to I report don't. back. I want you to try it. This is homework. But are, no. are you are you a dipper in general with an Oreo? Are you you, no, you eat Oreos no. on it separately? Milk? Good question. I do the flip to open, eat the non-creme side first, and then have the Oreo creme with the cookie second. I have to That's admit something to both of you. Um, I've never admitted this to anybody, but when I was a kid, uh I would take like four or five double stuff Oreos and I would get the whole interior off of it. I'd roll it into a ball <gasps> and I would like, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I don't my, know chest anyone... is like, my chest is tightening right now. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's ever done that before. I haven't that done disgusting. it. And I just had this, it was like a repressed memory <laughs> that you guys just brought to the surface. So that's now. Out <laughs> Did you guys ever do that with Wonder Bread? Did you take Wonder Bread, like white Wonder Bread, you're a little and scrunch it into a ball and eat it? That sounds amazing, bread? but no, I did not. Yeah. Oh my God, Evan, you know what Wonder Bread is. You're pretending to be young. No, I you actually. Are. Love Evan, you are not, the living no, embodiment. I'm literally of googling bread. it right now. Oh no, oh that's God. the brand. Oh, that's a brand of bread. That's okay. a brand. Yeah. Yeah. White bread. Sense. White bread. It's like Play-Doh. Okay. Okay, there may, there may be, we might find ourselves back into these conversations, but I, I felt I like we that. needed to at least establish a little bit of credibility for you um, through this process. <laughs> and I think, I think we've done more than done that. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, if you had stayed as a lawyer, you may have a different reason to be a guest on this show tonight. You may have been Russell Wilson's agent um, <laughs> making the case for Russell to get omnipotent power within the Seahawks right. organization. Um, yeah, like this has been a, this has been a bit of a, like a bummer transition in terms of what's happened with the Seahawks. Not only did they lose, but there's been tumult within the organization and fans have been split for years now about Russ mm -hmm. versus Pete. And as someone who's been a fan for a long time, it's honestly like I've mourned, not just the, trajectory of the team but like it's not as fun to be a Seahawks fan as it used to be yeah. just been so polarizing and I'm wondering if that's shown up for you on the show um you know as you guys have gone through it yeah you mean shown up like in our own discussions or in the response that we're saying mostly in the response but but I yeah. yeah um yeah and uh I think as far as response 
being a very divided one. It's, I think that the response has been much more hostile than maybe I anticipated. I think it's because uh, uh, Jake obviously is close with Russ. He works with him. And I think um, while Jake has a ton of insight and can bring really useful insight, I feel like usually he's pretty good with being like, I'm hearing this, or like there's chatter about this. And other times it's just, he has an opinion. And I think people are really quick to be like, uh, you know, Jake's saying this because Russ thinks it. And so he feels limited in what he can say. And then I feel limited in what I can say. And it's surprising. I feel like <clears throat> it used to be that you could have just a conversation about the team and sports radio can sometimes be hostile. It's all about debates. I get it. Um, but it's been very weird if I'm being frank, just like you open up the text line, which we do every day. And there are people that like are angry with Russell Wilson, like hate Russell Wilson for presumably comments he made. But I think just this image of Russ that's been kind of conjured over a couple months that he's selfish. He wants to be MVP. It's all he cares about. And there's a weird kind of projection uh, when you talk about one or the other, people do the same thing with, with Pete Carroll to a lesser extent, I think, because he's a little harder to pin down in that way. Like he hasn't said some of the same things. And so, but, um, I think you see a lot of good guy, bad guy narrative with both Pete and Russ. And it's really disheartening because, uh, I don't think that's a true reflection of either their relationship or the situation. Well, we have, we have someone on the show that can talk to this a little bit. So, so like, Stacey, you and I, I think probably both would agree that both Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are good people and yeah, deserve yeah, yeah. like our respect and support. Wait, why am I not included in Evan, that? Evan, I mean, where do you, where you, know do you stand on this? Where do you why. stand on this topic? Are you talking about Pete Carroll the person? Because Pete Carroll the person is a is a phenomenal person. Like, How would he feel about your Twitter feed if, if this phenomenal person like that? I talk to me. What do you mean? Like, I, that's such Repre an open-ended question. Represent your Pete Carroll perspective. Uh, it, oh, it hasn't been it hasn't been just football related. It's it's been pretty negative over the this, the last couple of years. Yeah, but I mean, th let's be clear. There's a very clear separation distinction between Pete Carroll, the football coach, and the criticism around that, and Pete Carroll, the human being. Like, there's no doubt that Pete Carroll, the human being, is like one of the best human beings of coaches in the NFL. Like, look how he's managed the whole COVID pandemic with this squad. Like he's been a leader of vaccinations, all that stuff, totally on top of it. So I, I and I think frankly, some of his best traits and qualities as a coach come from that human side, that human element that he has of being a phenomenal roster builder, a phenomenal, phenomenal culture builder. Like I'm not, I'm being hundred percent genuine when I say those things, like he is, he is legit super fun. But there's a ton of, I think, valid criticism that we've had over and over around maybe flaws in his philosophy in terms of how he approaches the offense, how he has, you know, failed to build certain parts of the roster over the <laughs> years, criticize criticism around his game management abilities, um, flaws in his philosophy that he has failed to execute on around always co competing with the roster. I, I think um, my frustration with Pete boils down to this, guys. Pete ultimately is responsible and is due credit for every success and every failure that the team has. So if they win the Super Bowl, Pete's got to, you know, he has to play a strong role in it. If they miss the playoffs, he's obviously playing a major role in that. I think for going on six years now, um, 
I think this team has underperformed. Like you can't, you just can't tell me that one playoff win in six years with a player like Russell Wilson, who has for 4.5 to five of those years, been a really, really good quarterback, like a top four quarterback. You cannot tell me that one playoff win over those years is, is meeting expectations. Yes. They've made a ton of, uh, you know, regular, they've had a ton of regular season success. That's great. I love that, but it kind of goes back, Brian, to the conversation we even had a few weeks ago of like, what does, what does being a football fan mean to you? Like, what do you want out of, like, what are your hopes? What are your expectations? And in my response to you, Brian, a couple of weeks ago was like, I want to be dancing in the street, crying and freaking out because of my team, my beloved football team just won the Super Bowl. I want as many moments as those of those as possible, even if it's unrealistic to expect a lot of them. I want a shot at those moments. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like we've had a legitimate shot at one of those moments in six years. You so want to that, see Stacy crushing a whole package of Oreos. Like, yes. Yeah, and I would do that. 100%. I would absolutely do that. And dipping it in some orange juice too. <laughs> oh my God. And line them up in a row. Yeah. Stacy, get I mean, this fourth quarter. So that's my rant. That's yeah, no, that, that, that's helpful. I think I like that's it. helpful context. So, so, I mean, Stacey, I don't know that I, I really know your point of view on yeah. where do you fall on this? Like, like, what do you think, where do you see that there's been issues? Where, at whose feet do you place blame there? And mm-hmm. what do you think needs to happen? Do they need to run it back? I mean, you guys have been talking about this a little bit. Where do you personally see this based on what you've noticed? I mean, it's really hard for my opinion about it not to be influenced by the context of all available options now, right? Like, um, for instance, you, General, you might think Russell Wilson has really underperformed and statistically he has this year, especially in the second half of last year, he's been really up and down. But um, what quarterback do you want? The Like the one from a not so great draft class, the one from a not so great free agency, the the one that you can't really acquire via trade because you don't have a first rounder this year. Like it's, it's, it's influenced by that. And a lot of that same stuff influences also my opinion about Pete Carroll. I think that Pete Carroll, that they're, um, for someone who is so obsessed with competition, I think that by a human, there's a human element to becoming a little more satisfied with where you are. That's that's not unique to what Carol's doing. Even the most competitive, fierce people in the world. I was reading this book. It's just behind me right now. It's really good. I recommend it. Uh, the game. <clears throat> and uh, it's about like just how complacency can kind of creep in for championship teams, even if you're trying not to have it happen. And I don't think that someone as obsessed with winning as Carol is, is immune to that. And I wonder if a little bit of that has happened with the Seahawks. And, um, and so I think what it is, is something has to change, not just with like game plan. I mean, like mindset, I mean, like getting back to that competitiveness, getting back to like, we have young, hungry players. Um, and, and you're, you're, you're really, really trying to like push people and people in the building want to get further coaches want to be better than they are. You know what I mean? Um, I think that they need to get back to that. And they almost, in my opinion, have no choice, but to do it because no one else is around. There's no, um, you know, Matt LaFleur walking around that can come in. There's no Aaron Rodgers that can come in. Like, I don't know what other options they have other than to stay together 
even then, unless they change something, they're not going anywhere. But by anywhere, I mean to the Super Bowl. Interesting. So I want to make sure I understood that last point. So I hear you saying that based on the options you see on the, the table, you know, you got you got to run it back with Russ yeah. and you should yeah. run it back with Pete as well. Mm -hmm. um, but that you think that that locks them into not being contenders. You think that they're just uh, no, no, I don't think it, I don't think that uh, just by virtue of being with each other, it locks them into not being contenders. I think they can very much be contenders with each other. I think they know each other better than anyone else knows them. Pete and uh, Russ, but also kind of like the, the, the group of coaches and everyone that they have here. But I think that what has happened to this team is a kind of like, God, complacency is such a negative word, but a kind of complacency that's crept in as far as maybe not pushing yourself as much as you could and adapting as much as you could. Maybe purgatory. you've been at the top. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like you're in this weird limbo. And, and uh, when you are the level of, have, have seen the level of success they have, 10, 11 wins a year, uh, you never get much further than that, but you're also, you're still winning and you still have the taste of winning and you always have a shot. And I think that that kind of consistent success when it's not taking you to the top breeds a weird kind of like, we don't need to change anything. We don't have to change anything because we got 11 wins last year. So we just need to repeat all of this. And it's like, no, actually you should be changing and adapting every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I once uh, annoyed Pete the way I annoy everyone else. Um, I asked him, uh, well, with your philosophy and you've got to always compete, like, how do you keep your philosophy evolving? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like that question. Did you say I compete to keep it evolving? <laughs> you know, he, he said something. I mean, we were both waiting for our car after an event or something. And, and um, he just gave an on answer. But I do, I mean, I think that's been the case with Pete since he got here. I mean, I think he's, he's reached a point where he believes he has answers for how things have yes. to work. Yes. And they've generally actually been validated. Um, but there's a lot of things within his philosophy that I think are not validated, but he kind of thinks the whole thing, he thinks it is one thing. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, I think we all see that. And I think one of the most ironic things that, you know, hopefully this ends up turning around and we see a climb and they, they stay and good things happen wow. and whatever, but if that doesn't happen, part of the way I will remember this is that Pete's actual moving away from his philosophy and I think what's a blind spot for Russell Wilson has been part of what has been an issue like I think that the type of football we saw in the last two games of the season is Pete Carroll football mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's not about passing 70 percent of the time on first and second down and which they did last year you know or 65 or whatever it was um and I, I think he lost his way a little bit. So, uh, you know, I just really, I'll be interested to see if they rededicate to what was, I think, a really good winning formula that I think they've deviated from. Well, and there's this whole other separate issue too of personnel, right? Which I would imagine all three of us agree with, which is it's one thing to have that philosophy that Pete has. And you've seen shades of that philosophy work in Cleveland or Baltimore or Tennessee uh, with, with Tennessee being maybe the best example. But then you think like, if your personnel isn't following that up, if you don't have an offensive line that's a top five line, or you don't have Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb, um, then then can you do what some of those other 
teams have done. Can you have the philosophy that you want when you don't have the pieces to make that philosophy at its absolute best? And I think that Pete's philosophy has so many loopholes, like, oh, part of my philosophy is letting players be the best of themselves. And it's like, great, but what if the best of themselves is a different kind of offense? And I and I don't mean like a pass-heavy offense. I mean like just little tweaks and, and yep. changes. And uh, And I think that everyone... Uh, can agree even the most ardent supporters of this team that they've had some misses when it comes to personnel. Ryan, do you think Pete needs to give up personnel control to John Schneider? Here's the thing. I, I, I think, I think Pete being in charge of personnel is not helping um, things. And so I, I don't have a problem with that being, you know, removed. I just, I was I, here for the Holmgren thing as well. I just think it's, it's not, it's not going to change anything. I think Holmgren I don't know, Stacy. if you've looked into the end of 2002, I wrote about it, but it's very similar. Holmgren was on the rocks. Uh, they had a really bad record. They went four and two down the stretch. Matt Hasselbeck found himself as a quarterback. He's kind of similar to what Rashad Penny was. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of these similarities and they won three games. In fact, that is the last year, not a Super Bowl year where, you know, the last game of the season is going to be a win, but the, the last year of a non-playoff team for the Seahawks where they won at least two consecutive games to end the season. Right. So it's been a long time since we've had this feeling of, well, actually they ended on a good note because almost every other year you're going to lose your last (laughs) game. Right. Yeah. And after that season, I even heard Mike Holmgren, you know, talking uh, on the radio about this. He went in there and argued. They they said they wanted to take away his GM duties. And he was like, but we found it. We've got our quarterback yeah. now. Like, it's yeah. going to happen. And that was why he stayed. Um, Because he didn't have to. But he stayed and he stayed without the GM duties. Bob Ferguson, who became the GM, he was just a donut boy. And I, I mean, I don't know, Bob. But I mean, he was not the GM. Mike was still essentially the GM. I think if Pete were to give up personnel responsibilities... I don't know that much would change, but maybe I'm wrong. I guess what I'm trying to get at is you saw that tidbit that ESPN released in the past yep. couple of days. Jimmy Fowler. Yeah. yeah I, I guess I was just curious for your take on that. Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, look, I have talked about that for the most of this year. Um, and I think Pete has been an obstacle in personnel. Um, I think he has not been helpful. And the other thing it's, it's not just Pete, Personnel, the way personnel works is they're drafting and signing players based off of preference of coaching staff. They're working closely with like Tom Cable absolutely had a large influence over the off. You see the different offensive linemen that we've drafted Mm -hmm. under Solari versus Cable. It's like, it matters. So he's hired some assistant coaches that I don't think are that great. And I think have, have led to that as well. I think Andre Curtis is a good example of a, uh, an assistant coach that deserves more credit. He's the, the DB coach this year. We're giving John a bunch of credit for all the cornerbacks that they brought in, all the defensive backs they brought in that worked bless Austin and John Reed and even Mike Jackson at the end and like on and on and on. I have to think that Andre Curtis was part of that thing. So anyway, long story short, I think Pete has not been helping the personnel department with his approach. I think Pete even spoke about how he thought Kyle Fuller had everything he needed to be a center, just like the guys in the draft. Like he said that out loud. So I yeah, disagree. I, 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 I disagreed <laughs> back then. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's 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 a challenge. But like, is is John really gonna is John really gonna do something that Pete doesn't agree with if he's still if they're still both here? Yeah, we went back and forth a couple times today, kind of deciding because if you know we've heard John speak about it less often because as you you guys know, like you don't John doesn't do press conferences during the season. They speak to John. John's at practices. He's at training camp. Like maybe people could talk to him privately or one off if they have those relationships, but like you don't really hear from him. So I'm using Pete Carroll's words to speak to their relationship. I don't know if that's how John feels about it, but Pete has always made it sound as though they're in lockstep with each other. But I do think that there are some draft picks uh, that years later, people have added a bit of context to that might've been different. So I don't know if the entirety of how they draft would be different. It sounds like philosophically, they both like a creative approach and there's both things that they might want. But like we had um, Brady Henderson on today and he told the story, I don't know if you guys have heard it, of Rashad Penny. Like that being a guy that uh, either Pete or like Schottenheimer really wanted and uh, that, that maybe Schneider would have wanted Nick Chubb. And yeah, like Penny's recent stretch is, you know, it's not like making everyone eat crow about calling him a bust per se, because he wasn't great for you for three years and you'd probably be in a better position with Nick Chubb uh, where the roles reverse. But like, what happens if that pick is made, you know, maybe Nick Chubb comes here and he's not as good because Cleveland's offensive line is better, or maybe he comes here and he's great. And you have this two headed monster with Chris Carson and Nick Chubb, but that's one example of, you know, uh, someone not John Schneider reportedly wanting to go with Rashad Penny and John not having final say, even though that's one pick, think of how drastically different the team might look. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's a good example, but it's a good example for two reasons. Like, I think your your point is well taken, but the other side of that is taking a running back in the first round is always a bad <laughs> idea. Right. So, like, right. I think they probably would have done that either way, but maybe you got a better running back. So, like, that's part of where I'm concerned. I'd be concerned still that we wouldn't see that much of change. Jamal Adams trade, for example. Do we know that that was did Pete fall in love with Jamal? Did mm -hmm. John, who knows last year? I mean, the, the one big one that I think we could point to that I, we don't know for sure, but all the reports are that John came to Pete with a deal that he felt like was a deal worth considering for Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's part of me that's not sure if this team would be in better shape right now, had that trade been made than not. I mean, I think it was like three first round picks that Chicago was able to turn into Justin Fields, plus other picks still left, plus a third pick, plus two players. Um, Justin Fields was pick if they could have picked Mac Jones. Like if this team had Mac Jones or Justin Fields right now and two additional first round picks and another third round pick and two players from the Bears, are we sure the next five years? Maybe the next year wouldn't be better, but I don't know. So like, those are the ones that I'm, I wonder about. And I, and I, those are the ones I can kind of believe, like maybe John would have the ability to make that call and Pete would, would not. And because Pete might want to retire sooner and he doesn't want to take that risk. Well, and it makes me wonder about <clears throat> Russell Wilson's future. If there's, if the report's true and if John has final say and saying John has final say still makes it sound as though Pete Carroll will very much be a part of those conversations, but if John Schneider has final say and was at what point willing to trade Russell Wilson, like then does this like 
seemingly non-story or bullet point at the end of a Jeremy Fowler article actually mean a ton for Russell Wilson? I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Um, so this is all the conjecture that we've gone back and forth about for a long time, right? Um, and I think I've heard you say, I mean, your expectation is they'll all be back maybe no changes is that is that fair or do you yeah, expect there I to be think, a change <clears throat> I think the uh I think the most likely one is they'll all be back and the second most likely one is that uh that um John and Pete are here and Russell Wilson uh is traded um but I see I see a world where Russell Wilson's not here before I see a world where Pete is not here Wow. I don't know if you guys saw the video Aaron Levine posted tonight um, of a clip of an interview with Pete Carroll. Um, How recent was that? Like, when was that recorded? It's going to air on Saturday. It hasn't even aired yet. So this was just a clip. Um, did you see it? Or should I tell you about it? Tell me about it. You I should tell it. So he asked Pete Carroll, like, you know, hey, last offseason was really tough for all of us. And I'm sure it was tough for you. And it wasn't fun what assurances can you provide that, you know, you guys are going to get on the same page going into this off season and Pete Carroll, very non Pete Carroll, like answer. He's like, I can't promise you that. That was wild. I stood me up a little bit. I was like, (laughs) really? Um, so I don't know. Like, I don't think that means he's going to trade Russell, but it definitely made me think like, maybe, maybe, um, I think that would be, it would be really, how do you think, how do you guys think that would affect his legacy? Uh, Pete or Russ? Pete. Um, I think that if, it, it, it depends entirely on what the team does afterward. If Russell Wilson moves on, plays out of his mind with another team, gets an MVP or wins a Super Bowl with another team, and the Seahawks don't, that changes his legacy forever forever and I think that I think that the sentiment I'm seeing right now and the thing is like I'm going from texts that I'm getting from listeners or like comments that I'm seeing so who knows if this reflects the opinion of the majority of people but I feel like the majority of people I hear from want rustrated he's rubbed them the wrong way for long enough yeah it's it's like to the point where uh it's it, it criticizing rust kind of falls on deaf ears because people are convinced that like People are absolutely convinced that like, um, I don't know, me and Jake hate Pete Carroll and work for Russell Wilson. It's a very weird really? thing. I swear to it's so weird. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, I think that um, the majority of people that I have heard from would be great, would be absolutely fine with Russ being gone. I think that if you look at Russell Wilson's statistics this year, very uneven, last year, very uneven, you can see a regression. What I worry is that even if that regression is permanent, I think there's a chance that it is. And he's just a different quarterback now um, or a quarterback with weaknesses that are just very uh, exposed in a way they weren't before. Uh, what if he's better than like 90% of other options you could have? Like if, if there is a risk that you reach into this jar of jelly beans and you pull out one and it's perfect and you're great, you're moving on, you've got a new quarterback, you're moving forward. But there's also a chance that like a bigger chance that you don't. And so uh, just is, is a Russell Wilson. That's not as good as he used to be good enough to get you to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, I don't know why you trade him. 
Yeah, Evan, I mean, what about you? How, how do you think that would affect the legacy? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty close to verbatim what just Stacy just said. It would entirely depend on, I think, how the Seahawks perform next year. I, I, I could see a world where if Russell Wilson goes somewhere, let me, let me rephrase it this way. I could see the following scenario being very realistic. Russell Wilson goes somewhere, balls out, wins an MVP, blah, blah, blah. And Pete also has a successful season in Seattle. Maybe wins a playoff mm-hmm. game, you know, with some kind of sub-average quarterback. To me, that would be success. And maybe Pete gets back to his roots of Pete ball and we see a true Pete ball football team. Um, I think that's a possible outcome, but um, I, I, I'm still blown away, Stacy, that you really believe you really believe a more likely future involves Pete and not Russ. If it's between the two. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that Pete is a little more entrenched with, we have no idea what Jody Allen thinks, literally no idea. Yeah. Uh, but Pete has always felt like uh, the safest piece as his John now given his like seven year extension or whatever that was. Russell Wilson's future has always felt more tenuous, always. And part of that is on Russell Wilson's shoulders too, right? It's kind of like he was asked in his press conference, hey, Russ, you said that you hope you can stay here. Last time I checked, you've got a no trade clause. Like that's kind of up to you. So I think also like, I, I see a more realistic world where Russell Wilson wants out and Pete wants to ret- like Pete wants to finish it out and Pete sure. doesn't want to move on and start over. And so I, it's on both sides. It's like, I think that Pete has a little more power uh, than if you're looking at the green Bay Packers kind of thing. It's like uh, Russell Wilson has less power than Aaron Rodgers does with the Packers. And <clears throat> prior to Mike McCarthy leaving Pete Carroll has more power than Mike McCarthy did. So it's like, if you could, create the power balance even more toward the head coach. That's how I see it here. So in a very black and white world where Russell goes to Jody Allen and says, pick me or Pete, you think she picks Pete? Ooh. um, Maybe not a scenario that will ever happen, but I'm just curious. That's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think my, my automatic reaction would be yes, but it's only based on relationships that I think Pete Carroll has with with the organization at large and maybe not specifically Jody. So mm-hmm. it's hard to tell exactly how Jody feels, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, right now, right. Guys, I there's an underrated, no just one, one thing there, Evan, I think there's an underrated part that we haven't really talked about either. There's an assumption that if you pick Russ in that scenario, that Russ is around Russ has two years left on his contract and has already through different sources said he's not going to mm-hmm. sign another extension. Now, he could change his mind, but he could also not change his mind. And so if you're Jody <laughs> Allen, you could be saying, I'm, I'm gambling on two years of Russ with an unknown coach that I hope is better than the best coach we've ever had. Or, you know, four, four, four years of Pete Carroll, whatever he's got left on his contract, um, you know, that I'm going to have to pay $50 million to or $60 million to anyway if I let him go. That does factor. There's only two years left. I honestly don't really buy that report. I think that's Mark Rogers just being an asshole. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It just, it just posturing and saying, you're going to have to pay me big again. You know, I don't give a fuck how my client performs over the next couple of years. You're going <laughs> to roll out the, the wallet. Like you're going to open it up. I, I think that's Mark Rogers just being an ass. Yeah. I'm just being honest. 
Yeah. I'm, I guess my point is, is that. And would they, that be out of character? What? Uh, for Mark Rogers? No. Yeah. No. So, no. I think Mark Rogers is as much a source of this divide as I, I think it's he is much more a source of this divide than either Pete or Russ. And by Can the way, I tell you guys, by the way, that like it still blows my mind that w- people will be like, uh, the media is making all this up. Mark Rogers is the one that gave Adam Shepard that list of uh, cities to presumably correct the article in the Athletic that came out. Thank like you. no one created that. Mark Rogers. Thank you, Stacy. Thank and you. And Russell Wilson went on multiple shows yes. voicing it like yes. that was not no one i mean no one even asked him like it was like i think it was like the hall of fame like there's some like random there's thing he was Payton. at and he just yep, starts yep, talking yep. about the offensive there's this like, walter payton press conference that right. was really weird too i want to say yeah. something i make that comment half in love half in frustration because i know mark rogers listens to this stuff and i just think he's a really good agent i think he's an exceptionally oh, good agent no i'm not backtracking uh, yeah. at all i'm not backtracking at all He's extremely frustrating to deal with as a fan, but I think he's really good at his job. Stacy, Evan is plays all sides. No, and no, that's the truth. That is the truth. He, yeah, he 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 secretly very much likes everything Mark Rogers has done. I think um, definitely. I, I, def- I sometimes worry about that. Like sometimes I'll be on air and I'll be like, "What if John Schneider is hearing this right now and he's mad at me for talking about these drafts?" And then I realize that in however many years of covering this team, literally knows no one knows who I am. Like oh, literally no one. No, I swear to God. I swear to Bullshit. God. And then I'm like, and then they I'm will. like, I if they just, don't, they but, will. I mean, you just kind of slip through and say whatever you want. You can be like, I don't know. That was more duly. I have no idea who that was. I guarantee <laughs> you. I guarantee you. I mean, I guarantee you it, it gets shared around. Oh, because... this stuff. Yeah. The general sentiment does. And it's always like a game of telephone. You yeah. hear like, oh, um, someone was listening to the radio and heard this. And you're like, um, yeah, so good. before I forget, uh, if it's okay with you, Stacy, we have a, a patron group and they help. I don't know if you know, like everything we get from this show and sites uh, and blog gets donated to charity, it actually gets donated to Ben's fund, which is uh, John Schneider, John Tracy's sons, mm-hmm. uh, who has autism. My son also has autism. And so we've donated like a couple hundred grand over the years to, That's to awesome. Ben's fund. Um, and one of our best sources of, of contribution is our Patreon, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, and folks get access to a Slack channel and they can ask questions for us to answer on the show. They were very excited to have a chance to ask you some questions if you'd be open to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're just like, no, sorry, I'm out. Yeah, um, yeah I'm out. Bye, guys. <laughs> uh, and this is a forever. great example of the hard-hitting questions that you're going to have to answer. So I just want you to, I want you to like brace yourself, Mentally. get ready, okay? First question comes from Jason. Um, are you excited to buy Russ and Sierra's new fragrance? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Uh, I am in need of a new fragrance. I haven't tested it out yet, um, but I am very into like the androgynous kind of, is it men's and women's together? Or is it like an androgynous fragrance? Anyone can wear it. Cause I'm into that. I'm having uh, to, to Google this right now. Cause I had no idea anything was like this. Was happening. I will, I will sample it and I will write up a lengthy review on seven times You did the symbol. Like I just looked it up. You, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you know about it i oh, i am i am on instagram let me tell you what <laughs> <laughs> okay um next question comes from one of our uh senior longest tenured uh patrons uh, jared who asks 
how awful does the text toy get? Oh, pretty bad. Pretty bad. First of all, um, I should ask you to explain what the text toy is okay. for people that don't know. Yeah, so uh, the text toy is uh, just the text line. It's a feed of the text line. So when you guys text in uh, to any station anywhere, but for us, uh, it it's just like your number and then whatever message you want to send. So um, we use it often because we like to have listener engagement. So we'll have like listener segments or people will genuinely, sometimes it's genuinely awesome. People will text in uh, either like corrections. You'll say something and you're like, what year was that? And someone will text it in and you're like, you're the best. Thank you so much. Cause we're all just sports fans listening. It's, it's great. And sometimes people are really funny. They'll send in hilarious jokes. Half the time. I love it. Um, it's gotten better uh, <laughs> as time has gone on, but it, it can still get really, really bad. Like it's, I think just see, people think what I have found is that more often than not, people think that they're yelling into the void. And just like on Twitter, people don't realize that there's someone on the other end. And so people will text things like, uh, wow, you should be fired. You're horrible. Or like, uh, you know, I, I hate the sound of your voice or um, I don't know. There have been worse things, texts that I won't say. Um, and sometimes you'll respond and you'll be like, hey man, what's your deal? Oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't realize anyone was reading this. And then sometimes they like double down and they're like, yeah, I said you should be fired. And you're like, all right, have what's a good day. What's the nicest compliment you've ever received on the text um, machine? Oh, uh, someone told me, so I've tried to, um, the way that audio is like uh, uh, modulated, the, the way that the radio works when you hear it, uh, on, uh, I don't know if it's on the app or on air. There's there's one where it sounds higher, pitches are a little bit higher, which unfortunately for me means that my voice is even higher. And I think that there's a lot of people that like a higher voice grates on them for some reason. And so I've tried very consciously to lower my voice just a little bit. Like I've been practicing doing it. Um, and, and someone texted in once that uh, my voice sounded very striking. And I was like, thank you. I've been working really hard at doing that. And so, uh, but yeah, someone, uh, I know some people text in stuff, you know, stuff like, oh my God, you guys just made my day with that joke. Or you guys, I think the stuff I like the most is the stuff that is the things I like most about our show. Like me, Curtis and Jake are all legitimately friends. Um, we've all known each other for a while and I really, really love it. And it feels validating when people say, I feel like when I'm listening to you guys, I'm like listening to friends talk because that's one thing that I love most about like podcasts. Like if I listen to you guys, or if I listen to any other podcasts that I like, it's always people that genuinely know each other well. And you feel like you're listening to a private conversation. Like there's this meme of like these two girls on a frozen yogurt ad. And then one girl in real life, like on the ground next to them. And that's how I, you know, that's how you feel listening to podcasts. So I love when people get that from our show. You know, I'm going to go off the, the pitching question for a second. I'll come back to it, but uh, Mina Kimes, Katie Nolan are also friends of show, uh, and we have a ton of respect for, for them. And as I think you and I both commented on this, Mina recently shared some text she got from somebody about like, you're terrible and, you know, mm -hmm. you wear high heels and I don't know, whatever it was, okay. it was just a, some ridiculous, you know, comment. And Mina just handles that, like it's amazing how it rolls off. It seems to roll yes. off the back. I'm sure it still doesn't feel great, but she's like one of the smartest, funniest, like well-spoken reporters, period. Like on any sport, on any topic, she's just really good. But 
I mean, I'm just curious, like what percentage of the feedback do you feel like you get has nothing to do with your perspective on, on the Seahawks or whatever sport you're talking about, but just being a woman, like how much does that come up? Um, I think people, it's like a coded language kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, you sound like an idiot. I think a lot of times what happens is I'll make a joke and I'm being facetious, but someone legitimately thinks I'm stupid. Uh, so that happens more often than not. To me, it is very clearly a joke if I say Jamal Adams might be too petite to sack Josh Allen. <laughs> that is so clearly a joke. Like, yeah. and we were joking about making bulletin board material. So we were coming up with like really bad insults. And that was the one I, I was like, you know, it, it was supposed to be like a horrible insult that just didn't make sense. And someone thought I was being serious. And like, then I saw that later on Reddit where someone was like, she's such an idiot. And I think more often than not, people just like, they don't give you the benefit Why are you of the going doubt. to Reddit? Yeah, <laughs> That's I know. a bad I know, idea. I know. I know from personal experience. That well, is a it's bad idea. I used to look at Reddit because I used to go on Reddit. And then I started seeing Reddit threads where people were like, I hate Stacey Ross. She's annoying. And I was like, I can't go on Reddit anymore. <laughs> like, this makes me sad. Um, but yeah, I think that people just, they don't give you the benefit of the doubt. That's what it is. It's you're, you're talking about, like I was saying, um, you know, Pete Carroll, uh, hasn't experienced, you know, losing like this since being with the jets or whatever. And, and they'll text in and they'll be like, oh, Pete Carroll, you know, he was an NFL head coach before. And you're like, I know I'm talking about USC. It's just, it's so many where you just, you feel like you have to give this lengthy explanation to any point you make to prove that, you know, your stuff. And sometimes you don't, and you hear, I hear sometimes people just bullshit their way through answers. And you think, I wish I could do that. Like, I wish I could just confidently bullshit my way through answers and people would just believe me because I sounded confident and wouldn't listen to every word and pick it apart. And I also want to say about Mina's tweet, uh, I saw someone respond to it and say, you know, Mina's great, but she, she always responds to these losers looking for attention. And I don't think Mina posted that for you. If that's what you thought, like to me, women in this case, Mina post things like that. So that particularly other women, like just to to, like peek behind the curtain, I messaged Mina times, uh, I don't know, like a year ago I was getting, we had just had a lineup change and I was getting so many messages from people saying like, it should have been you, you should have been fired. You're awful. Like you shouldn't be there. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know what? I didn't start getting into sports until I was like 18. What if I don't actually know that much? What if I am like, you can't help but doubt. It doesn't matter. But if you get enough of it, if you get, think you're, think that you're getting like, you know, uh, 20 texts a day or whatever. So it's not just one person saying something it's constant. And you're thinking, you know what, if enough people say this, they're probably right. I was sobbing. It's like 1am I'm distraught. And I'm like, I'm just not a likable person. Like I am just, I've decided that like, there's something about me that is intangibly unlikable. I didn't think this about myself, but I'm just that person. And I messaged Mina Kimes and I was like, this is a really weird question. I don't know you. Like we've had you once on the show. I think you're one of the smartest people that I've ever read or followed about football. I think you're brilliant. And I also think that every single person I know loves you. Like, when did this stop? And she responded and she was like, it hasn't. And like, sometimes it still hurts. She's like, I was looking at a, like, you'll look at like a YouTube video and one random loser will say something and you'll like fixate on it. But so when I saw, and she's so amazing and so supportive to other women, like she called me and, and talked, talked through like, you know, not just like, Hey, here's what it's like being a woman, but like, here's how I prepare. Here's what I would do. And 
just amazing, like, uh, you know, mentorship kind of conversations to have with people. She's phenomenal. I'm telling you. And, um, but so when I saw her tweet, I was like, this is for women who like me on that day or just people, right? Like, um, uh, like a friend of G Scott just had a horrible racist message that was sent to him. Like mm-hmm. people who feel like they are frequently told they don't belong in the space. That message is for them to be able to say this person who I think is brilliant still gets it. Oh, it's nothing to do with what they're saying. Because yeah. if that person doesn't see how smart and talented this person is, that's on them. That was a long diatribe. No, that was awesome. (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's really helpful for people to hear it um, because it's easy to also just be one of those people that, that hurts someone else on maybe even unintentionally or like, you know, being unaware of it, but like we argue about sports. It doesn't matter. Like sports doesn't matter, but like, yeah, the way people get treated does. And um I, I do think there's something to like, I, I would guess that when you were, you had 500 people that knew you, you weren't getting these messages, but like my own personal experience, nothing to do with who I am, but just when I had very few people around, I had two mm-hmm. people reading the blog, nobody was cared about me and no one said anything negative, but it's like, there's such like a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, whatever you get a point of audience all of a sudden it's like, wait, where is this? And yeah, you see threads showing up on Reddit and all these other places and hateful, horrible things. So I think it's just a percentage game too. Like the broader your audience, the higher you go, um, more speaking of you, like it just seems like there's going to be more people that are going to be looking to to take you down a peg. Um, There's a lot of unhappy people um, out there. So Anyway, thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear you went through that. It's not a super shock. You know what? A lot of people go through it. It's, it's, uh, I, I went through it a little bit later. I didn't experience it till recently, but I think there's a lot of people it's, it's helpful to talk even that story, Brian, like it's helpful to hear people be like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. It's really awful. But anyways, I like having debates and conversations with my friends and so it's worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. So um, do you have a few more minutes to take a couple more yeah, questions? Yeah. Um, Evan's probably going to fall asleep any second. This, Evan, Evan will, what he, what he does on time. these shows, he'll just drop. He's like, I'm out of here. Bro. <laughs> like, Bro. It's a would, weeknight. Okay. Would, would, would Jake, would Jake ever just drop on you out of the show? I don't, I don't think he, he did. <laughs> Apparently most recently. <laughs> Apparently he just did <laughs> like yesterday. So no, Jake. Got food poisoning uh, at the end of the show. I love that you brought that up uh, because yes, we were talking about this. Um, if you guys are listening to uh, Thursday's show, Jake just suddenly is not in the last thirty minutes. He just disappears, and you're wondering where Jake went. Well, Jake is in his shed studio and had to run outside and uh, violently throw up for like an hour, and <laughs> we lost him. He we lost him for the rest of the show. He was like, "I'm so sorry, you guys." We were like, "It's cool, man." You're done. So yeah, Jake. It was nothing Jake that, quite literally. Nothing said on the text toy that caused him to do this. This was this was uh, foodborne. Allegedly, allegedly a foodborne illness, but yes. we'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, next, that was a great question by Jared that got us off on the text toy. Um, Jen Mazzarallo. Mazzarallo. Sorry, Jen. I'm totally butchering your name. Uh, should we trade Bobby? Ooh. 
oh, I'm so torn about how to feel about Bobby because I think he's such an incredible person. And I think that he was, uh, I think even he would have to admit that despite the number of tackles he has, he underperformed this year. Like there were just moments, you guys know, like you just watch moments where you're like, man, Bobby would normally make that play and didn't. Instead, it's a tackle, but it's like a gain of an additional six yards. Um, if you move on from Wilson, you might as well just go into more of a rebuild because you you uh, open up like something like 16-5 uh, in cap space by doing that. Um, However, I think that Bobby Wagner on your roster does put you closer than not to a Super Bowl. So if he's, if you're getting all pro Bobby Wagner, like, of course you're keeping him, but I think that there does need to be a step forward from, from this past year, which sounds insane based on just the stats on paper, but based on the tape, I think there are areas where Bobby Wagner would have to look at that and say, yeah, I gotta, I gotta sharpen up there. Do you, do you both agree? I've, I've seen this question from other folks. I don't think it's actually even a valid question. I don't see the Seahawks trading him. If they're going to move on, they'll just release him. It would be a release. Let him pick which team he yep. wants to go to. I don't see them. Like, I don't think there'd be much trade value. And I don't think they'd do that to him. Well, and I think his, uh, I don't know how many teams would pay 18 or 20. They wouldn't. Right now for that one year. So I think it's, I, I think maybe what you see, if anything, is like the kind of Carlos Dunlap situation to a greater scale. Let Bobby test the market. And if he wants to, come back after being released then you then you're not paying him 20 you're paying him i don't know 15 14 yeah. whatever it is yeah um okay a couple more here uh <laughs> i don't know about this one sam brown usually one of our best questioners um now i have to hear it is stacy ever going to have her own segment called rost's roster where she talks about the state of rosters of the various seattle sports teams Oh, that's actually a really good idea. Ross's roster. I mostly like that he pronounced my last name correctly. Uh, you know, um, I'll consider it. I'll, I'll, I'll consider it. That is very kind of you. Um, Sam, Thank do you. better. Please do better. Um, <laughs> Braxton asks, uh, how would you grade the Tyler Lockett extension after one year? Evan, this is for oh. you as well. Oh, Evan, I'm curious to know what you think because I'd give it an A. I, I don't know how you don't. Tyler Lockett's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I don't know how you no, I don't know how you give it anything oh. but that. I mean, he had like yeah. a eight million dollar cap hit this season for the Seattle. You're telling me he's not worth that, if not something much higher. Next year it jumps to only 10 million in 2022. 2023 gets the 16.7. And then 2024, 2025 is when it starts hitting uh 24 million in each year. You could potentially see some, you know, some changes being made um yeah. extension wise then. But yeah, that's uh he's just one of S Seattle's most solid players. And there's been multiple reports that like he's one of the most loved players internally in the building by the franchise. Yeah. It's just like, how can you not love the kid? So yeah, I've never heard anyone say a single bad word about Tyler Lockett ever, 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 ever in my uh, I've been covering the team since 2014 and obviously we used to be like in person, which we're not now, but um, he's also always been great with interviews. Like I interviewed him once and he like literally just sat down with me and like was willing to talk for however long, the nicest kid. Um, and yeah, I think that also, you know, related as much as we're criticizing personnel, the Tyler Lockett extension, like the Seahawks have been ahead of the curve every single time with Tyler Lockett, as far as being able to trade to find him 
um, to, to make him their starter. I remember all of us wondering, like, can Tyler Lockett be your starting wide receiver? Can he replace Baldwin? Can he be that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as like, in my opinion, like saving money on that extension, like they've consistently been right about him. I think that it, what, one of the things that I think you're right. You're both right. I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough is when you evaluate John Schneider, there's, you, you can talk about the draft, you can talk about free agency, you can talk about trades. And then the other part that people don't talk about as much is cap, cap mm-hmm. management. And I honestly like, and Evan, you, 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 you know, correct me on this. I don't think they've even had many bad contracts, like where you're like, if it's a bad contract, it's like the Greg Olson one year, 7 million, where you're like, oh my God, but it's one year. The Jamal Adams contract is one that I think will be scrutinized. And, you know, I think that's a fair one to call out, but how many contracts have they signed where you're like, oh my God, they're stuck with this guy for four years and he's making all sorts of money. The only other deal I can think of, and this is going way back, is the Kerry Williams deal. Uh, Percy too, but Kerry Williams was cut pretty quickly. I think it was like his first eight games or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just got burned and they were like, never again. Oh God. I think, I think that, uh, I think Luke Jokel was bad. Which one? We don't need to talk about Eddie Lacey and Luke Jokel. I mean, Uh, I think we could stay away. You know what's so funny about Eddie Lacey? Get this. He and I do yoga together. Eddie Lacey and I. What? I thought you had the other Packer that does it. Uh, Brandon Bostick too. They both live in Scottsdale. I'm not even kidding. They go to my yoga studio, man. We're in yoga together. You got to out. Have yoga bros? We're yoga bros every single day. We're yogis. You got to out Eddie it. Lacey. What is he like three bills now or? He is working on all of his mental, physical, emotional well-being. And I am so happy for him. I love that. I love that. That's great. I actually missed yoga today. I was supposed to do yoga, but I didn't do it. Um, so, okay. Last question. Evan OG. This is not you, Evan. This is someone claiming you are not the OG, Evan. Uh, who was it? Who was the best athlete, Cam Chancellor or DK Metcalf? Uh, you should know, Stacey, that uh, Evan actually subscribes uh, to DK's OnlyFans and talks about it regularly. Oh, so. okay. In that case, then I already know his answer. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go DK. Um, but, uh, but man, Cam really was phenomenal. My favorite thing to do, I don't know if you guys do this, is like you go on, um, uh, what's it called, Game Pass. If you go to older games and you watch some of the debuts of younger players, it's one of my favorite things to do is like go watch like Cam Chancellor's first tackle and you hear the announcer, you know, special teams, you know, safety, Cam Chancellor. And like no one knows anything, you know, so you're just like, oh, it's out of Virginia Tech or wherever he was out of. Yep. Uh, and it's so it's so uh surreal to watch those i did that recently with cam so it's funny that you mentioned that but i gotta go dk that's awesome yeah i i I agree i agree evan other questions you've got uh you know i know we're keeping you past your bedtime so i want to make sure you get a chance to (laughs) ask anything else you have early morning yoga it's never early morning i i am too lazy to do early morning um god what 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 is the theme for next year's Seahawks, if the whole group comes back together, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, John Schneider all come back, you know, tomorrow, let's say that news drops, whatever, that we get the clarity that we need. 
What mm-hmm. does Seattle need to focus on to get back to a championship contender sort of franchise? Because that's where my frustration comes from as a fan is it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like they've been a contender for the past six years. What do they need yeah. to do to get back there? Here's what I worry about. Well, I, I'm going to start with the first question, which is like, what might the theme be? I think what I worry about is that this team will look at the last uh, five weeks of the season, particularly the last week and be like, we're doing that. That's our offense. And it's like, I don't know, is Rashad Penny going to get you 190 every week? Like <laughs> kind of like he, what he did was phenomenal. And I really hope that he's found his stride and I hope he's back in Seattle, but like, I don't know if that can be who you are on offense because you're not going to be able to do that every single week. Um, I think what they need to do, the key to getting back, I'd say starts in the trenches. I think it's hard not to look at Tampa Bay. And I know that uh, they might be knocked out of it uh, this year, but they've just had so many injuries with wide receiver, but defensive line, offensive line, you, you have to do it. You absolutely have to. And uh, if you, and the thing is, if you want, if you look at the last, you know, week, if you're Pete Carroll and you say, that's who we want to be, then, then why not? still invest in the offensive line. It's not like you're only doing that for your pass game. It's not like you're only doing that to throw for 400 yards a game. Like that helps Rashad Penny too. That helps Chris Carson too. So uh, your key has to be starts with personnel. And then if your personnel's right, I think the philosophy can work, but you have to make sure they're aligned. Can I jump in on this one for a second, Evan? Yeah. I mean, if you want to be, let's take the most optimistic, the most optimistic, because it's easy just to be like, you know, skeptic at this point um the offensive line did come together they're going to reside Dwayne Brown because they don't have much of another yeah, choice um even if they have to go back to Ethan Posick who I'm not a fan of and I'd like them to get better he played well enough that he was okay Phil Haynes looked like he could be a starting guard Jake Curhan looked like he could be an answer at right tackle they should bring more competition but their offensive line could be on the upswing um they've got a running back that looked like he was playing his best ball right? So then what you really need is you need to re-sign some of your corners and you need to add at least one alpha pass rusher, like go get Chandler Jones or something like that. Yeah. And if they add a pass rush and the offense is like able to kind of coalesce, Shane Waldron's now got it kind of figured out a little bit. This could be a really good team next year, like a really good team. I don't know if it's a Super Bowl team, but to be totally honest, the number one seed in the NFC this year doesn't impress me that much. Uh, like another, neither does the number one seed in the AFC. Like mm-hmm. the Seahawks should have beat both of those teams this year. And they had their worst year in over a decade. Like they absolutely should have beat both those teams. Um, so, and, and next year, the Packers very well might not have Aaron Rodgers. So like, what's the NFC going to look like? So yeah, I, I think it, as much as I've been super, you know, negative about a lot of this. I don't, I, I, I agree with some of the notion Pete Carroll saying of if we retain some of our guys and we add some pass rush, just that by itself could be a pretty big unlock um, to, you know, to what happens next year. Stacy, final question for you. Most overrated and underrated item on the Taco Bell food menu. Wow. Uh, I'll start with the uh, underrated uh, and I'm going to go the classic, just like the soft taco with like, it's just, it, it is wonderful. I used to in high school, just get two of those. Wait, uh, the deluxe or just the plain soft? The taco? classic. I'm talking like shredded lettuce. No sour then, like, cream? Meat. Oh, I don't like sour cream. 
Oh, I do what? This is going Sorry. so what? well. This is I don't like sour so cream. Well. This has been my last appearance. Every, <laughs> every white person loves sour cream. This is shocking. <laughs> I don't love sour cream. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. I don't like mayonnaise. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of mustard. Uh, yeah, mustard's I'm just going to go through things I don't like. Um, How do you eat your yeah. hot dogs? How many condiments do you put on your hot dogs? I use either just mustard or I also really like baked beans. How about just a plain hot dog? hot dog? That's disgusting. But I did used to when I was younger, I used to take hot dogs, like cold hot dogs out of the fridge and just eat them like French fries. Makes sense that that's something you would do like when you were young. Got it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a total ass move. <laughs> I just had to. She set me up. She set I, me I up. I teed you up. I teed you up. So, <laughs> all right, we need to go back to the Taco Bell item. Though. Taco Bell. I hear the oh, end of this. Overrated um, would be uh, likewise. I hate hard shell tacos. Hard shell tacos. I don't want them anywhere. Oh, they hurt my-, my mouth. They hurt my gums. They hurt. Um, I just, I don't like them. They break everywhere. They get in your car. Cause obviously you have to eat Taco Bell in your car. I can't go home and eat it. That's embarrassing. I need to drive into a dark alley and turn on my lights off. I, I, we need to bring this back because I just, you just sent me down a real, like I'm going to get ragey <laughs> and I don't want to do that it, 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 with sorry, a guest, sorry, but sorry. can we all agree that Taco Bell tastes significantly better after midnight than before? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I have not once eaten Taco Bell in the last year while sober that yeah. makes sense that also makes i think that eating taco bell before a certain hour is also kind of like drinking like if you're having taco <laughs> bell if you're eating taco bell before even like like noon would be the hard limit it's like are you sure you want to do that like what's happened to you today are you okay do you it, need to talk it's a fair question my my, my yeah. oldest son actually like is horrified that rachel and i like taco bell we don't we never eat there. Like I probably haven't eaten there in two years, but uh, I would, I would crush like six oh, easily. Tacos. Easy. Like no, that's problem. the best thing about it is you go and you get like 20 things or, yeah. t- or two, I don't know, whatever you want. And, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It, wow, it is good. I'm glad, so I'm glad much. we ended on that. <laughs> um, Stacy, this has been so much fun. Uh, I know that some from some of the stuff I've heard and read like you you talk about wanting to start a podcast at some point like even you know uh outside of what you already do you absolutely should and until then we're here well, this is a this is you know the best podcast uh for for any Seahawks fan out there uh we've, we've got all sorts of evidence to prove that it's <laughs> undeniable um you're always welcome to come on the show people in the chat are just loving this um uh, I won't tell you most of what they're saying. Um, I'll oh, just, no. You know. No, it's good things. <laughs> it's good things. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't play on that. Um, but yes, uh, it's been so great to have you. And also just on- honestly, like sincerely, thank you for for what you and Jake do on the on air. Like it gives, I'm walking my dog and I'm listening to Jake and Stacy. Um, and uh, you guys had like an immediate chemistry. You're like, siblings and yeah um, you not let anybody tell you that you guys bantering about stuff that has nothing to do with sports is is bad like you guys being people and people that like each other and curtis as well is part of what makes the show the show so there's plenty of people that just go and talk about sports hardcore and you know blow v8 about all sorts of stuff but you guys are great so uh thanks for the show thanks for all that you've done and 
Uh, thanks for being like a bright light. It's, it's nice. There's a lot of shit on Twitter, a lot of shit on, uh, you know, sports radio. It's just nice to have, uh, someone and, and something that's, uh, uh, a bright light. So appreciate uh, it. Thanks you guys. Yeah. yeah. You guys are the absolute best. I will come on anytime. I'm glad that we can move past our very different feelings about, uh, hard shell tacos. And at least I hope we can. I don't know. But, Do you remember uh, your homework I, assignment? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to come back to this. What does uh, that mean? How about how you feel about nachos? Oh, wow. I think nachos are overrated. I think that nachos on any plate of nachos, let's say that you have a big plate of nachos. There's 10 good nachos. Then you have a nacho that has a single olive done. You have a nacho that has a little tiny piece of cheese. Stupid. You have a nacho that's like liquid now because it's so covered with toppings. The only good nachos are in the kind of the area it's like a circle if you could imagine a circle around the middle of the plate those are the only good nachos on the plate oh my god you did not just say that <laughs> oh my god oh my god um, i'm gonna have I to have rescind thoughts. a lot of what i just said about you um <laughs> oh my god oh my, my mic is, is my mic is pissed off it will not stay still now nothing um, i said is wrong have you had matador steak nachos before no, I have not. I will. I will try them. I okay. love. Steak. Next time that Evan is in town, we are taking okay. you and Jake Deal. or whoever else you want to take, Deal. and we Deal. are going to get margaritas and we're going to get matador nachos and yes. we are going to to solve this because that's just. I will tell you guys, Jake is very ashamed of my nachos take because he knows of it and he's you, it, it truly like he gets embarrassed Apology. on my behalf a lot and apologizes on my behalf a lot. So he'd be doing the same thing now. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, Evan. Uh, Always good to see you, dude. Um, And uh, for folks listening, click the subscribe button, click uh, the bell to get notified when we go live. We could have an emergency pod in five minutes when the Pete Carroll news comes out. So you might be calling Stacy to come back in five minutes. Uh, uh, Eating a plate of nachos. Yes, we will be having a plate of nachos. I make excellent nachos. Patreon.com slash Hawkblogger gets you immediate access to the Slack channel. Um, And the conversation continues there. So there's lots of great people. There's literally hundreds of folks in there now. Great people, great conversation. Uh, they even did a bet this year about how many kicks Jason Myers would miss and raised additional money, almost 3,000 additional dollars for charity based on how many kicks Jason Myers missed um, and made, as a matter of fact. So thank you to John Hurlbutt for that. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Until you see us or hear us next, um, go hot.